It's that time of year again, contract season. But is committing through a contract a smart decision? I'll talk about that coming up next. Welcome to Happily Ever Active, where we crack the consistency code with fitness tips on motivation, mindset, and much, much more. Now, here's your host, author of Feel Like It, and the guy with the silent O, Kelly Dell. A good Friday to you, and this is the last episode of 2019, and there's just a few days left before we flip the calendar into an entirely new decade, and that's sort of a rare thing if you think about it. Today, I've got one last question of the week to finish things off, and there's something I think is just neat and tidy about closing out the year and, you know, closing out the decade too, and how are you feeling about it? You've probably seen or heard a lot of content reflecting not only on 2019, but the last 10 years. There's lots of nostalgia going around these days, isn't there? And I'll definitely admit, it's interesting to think about where I was personally a decade ago and all the interesting moments that have occurred since then. And it's one thing to think about the highlights of a year, but a decade, an entire decade, is another thing entirely. And for me, over the last 10 years, I became a dad. I had a business failure. I started and grew another business. I became an author. And in fact, the inspiration for that book came about 10 years ago while I was working in a gym. And that seems crazy to think about, honestly. In 2013, also, we adopted not one but two different dogs. So there's a lot that's happened in the last decade. There's travel in there too, but there's also some super hard times. And we've all gone through some in the last decade for sure you know, like losing family members or career-related stresses. There's just a lot going on when you look at our lives in a 10-year chunk. And of course, a decade is also an interesting frame of reference to examine our relationship with exercise. Of course, that's where I was headed with this. And how has your relationship changed or evolved during that time? What were you up to in 2010, even 2015? How has your relationship strengthened Or maybe it hasn't. Maybe you're locked in a war with your body still. Maybe that's even intensified. If you think back, if you look back over the last five to ten years, what have you overcome to establish a routine or a lifestyle that you find super motivating week in and week out? And what fitness accomplishments are you the most proud of? And I imagine for many of you that maybe one of the, you know, the accomplishments over the last decade was to finish a race or achieve some sort of personal best somewhere in your fitness journey. And I can imagine also for some of you that the last decade was when you started your current fitness journey. And that's certainly something to fawn over, in my opinion. When it comes to our histories, though, there's this classic quote that fits perfectly for the topic today. You've heard it before, so bear with me. Those who do not remember the past are condemned to repeat it. And this is attributed to Harvard philosophy professor George Santayana in the early 1900s. And since we're really enveloped in our own personal histories this time of year, I thought this would be the time to invoke that sentiment or the sentiment of this quote to hopefully inject some meaningful reflection about your 2020 fitness decisions that are upcoming. And some of you might have already made some of those decisions by committing to certain fitness uh, studios or fitness activities, investing in certain equipment. And we'll get to that in a second. You know, at this time of year, we are assaulted with advertisements about health and fitness, aren't we? There's ads for wearable technology. That's a huge industry now. 
There's home-based equipment. And of course, as I mentioned, there's the gyms and the fitness studios that are fighting super hard for your hard-earned dollars. And this really, this advertising blitz won't really slacken until February, maybe even March. And the competition is fierce. And it seems like this time of year, everybody's got a deal. There's no joining fee or there's free personal training sessions when you become a member. Maybe there's a free month or maybe there's a couple of free months, that sort of thing. And when it comes down to getting a membership at a facility, there's now, I think there's now a price point for virtually everybody. So there's lots to choose from, a lot. And when it comes to making decisions, convenience counts to us. Understandably, we tend to look at things or weigh things that are nearest to us. And I think that's important. Convenience does matter. And when you add all of this stuff up so far, the deals, the location, the activity or activities available to you, this is a time of year when barriers to entry are commonly addressed, especially price barriers. And we can address travel barriers too within how we make decisions. Even physical barriers, if you have certain limitations, they all come into play if this is the time of year where you tend to make such decisions. The decision can certainly be a complicated one, and I think there's options out there that suit you better than a bunch of others on a variety of fronts. Not all options are created equal at all. So today, I want you to consider something amidst all of the moving parts of membership. Is this the solution for you? Is becoming a member of a facility, of a gym, of a studio for you? Now, I just mentioned how the inception point for my book came about a decade ago, and that came from consultations with hundreds of new or soon-to-be new members of a very large gym. And some were dipping their toe into gym life for the very first time, which is tough. It can be daunting. And maybe you can remember your first experience, and I'll bet you had nerves over it too. And what tends to lead most people to the gym contract trough is this strong association that gyms have with fitness, the idea of fitness. They've branded themselves as the first stop in any fitness journey. And if you ask most people what images come to mind when they think of the word fitness, many gym-related pictures will pop up. People will think of treadmills, lifting weights, maybe some type of aerobics class. All of that stuff is strongly represented. And as I said, after all, we're pummeled by these images in the media we consume, right? And a side effect of all of this is that when we think about getting in shape, which happens a lot this time of year, we think about committing through a contract. And whatever the reason is that we start thinking about getting in shape, whether it's we don't like how we look or we don't like how we feel or we started feeling like we're getting out of breath when we walk the stairs at work or maybe there's a health scare in there or something like that. This time of year, with fewer barriers to entry, like the waiving of joining fees, that decision, the decision to get into a contract related to your fitness is easier. But if you examine your fitness history, right, that was the context history. If you examine your fitness history, and you don't have to go back a decade either for that, what have you learned about making this decision in the past? What does the data from your fitness story show you when it comes to gym membership or contractual obligation? If committing through a contract works for you, and you've had a longish term relationship with gym life that yields fulfilling moments from week to week, I think that's great. If that same relationship has also yielded some benefits that you value, like better health, whether that's physical or mental health, terrific. If showing up to a gym routine 
isn't an awful grind, that's a successful result. You found a pretty good fit there. And there's a chunk of the population that I know enjoys such a relationship. It all fits. It fits super, super well. But what about you? Does it fit you? Or do you feel like, you know, that square peg in a round hole when it comes to gym life? Because overall, how exercise feels affects our commitment. Does a gym membership or gym life feel a way that breeds your loyalty? So again, what story is your fitness history trying to tell you about all of this? And I ask this because the decision to commit through a contract isn't a small decision. We're talking a type of legally binding handshake here. That agreement at the heart of all of this goes like this. If you don't show up, we still get paid. And that can be up to a year commitment. And there's some common questions to reflect on in making such a decision. And they include, you know, what if my life situation changes and I move or I can no longer afford the monthly fee? Can I get out of this relationship? What if I travel for a couple of months? Can I put my membership on hold? Does that come with a cost? And these are some reasonable logistical questions to ponder. And I think you should ponder them. I think we should all ponder them when we're making such a robust commitment uh, financially and time-wise and energy-wise. And yes, many places only require a monthly commitment, which is a nice feature. It will be more expensive to pay monthly, but those arrangements exist. So ask about that. What are those arrangements and what are all the what are all your responsibilities around that, especially when it comes to exiting if you need to exit? But there's a few other questions I think deserve our attention and we need to throw them on the pile too. For example, does this gym or studio actually offer something I really love to do? Are there any barriers to showing up that make this membership, this relationship, difficult to uphold? Like how long it takes to get there? Are there classes, for example, that are offered during a time of day that's suitable to your work schedule? And another question to ask is, is a membership the center of my fitness universe or just an accessory? Meaning, does the gym complement other activities you love beyond the gym? And that matters because you might not use the gym if it's down the list, which begs the question, how much are you willing to pay for a casual or light use relationship? And these are just a few questions. There are more. For sure, there are more. But today, I want you to think about whether your commitment to regular physical activity is truly predicated on contractual obligation or not. Is that going to keep you motivated? And this instantly reminds me of another important question to throw on the pile. What's the cancellation process like? Do that research. It wasn't a decade ago, but it was more like seven or eight years ago. I worked in the membership department of a gym that was really, really struggling. And it was more of a corporate gym. And there are certain industries that are, let's just say, notoriously slimy or underhanded. And there's a reputation to them that gets our hackles up. Well, Parts of the gym industry have that reputation, and I was swimming in it every single day. Some gyms value creating strong relationships with their members, complete with staff members that are passionate about helping people. They're passionate about helping people build a healthier lifestyle. That's something you can feel as a member, right? You've been in a gym, probably some of you have been in a gym or some sort of relationship like that, that you can really feel that. You can also feel that as an employee, though, and I'm sure some of you can also relate on that front. Well, you didn't have to do a deep analysis to understand why this particular gym was failing. It was, by all accounts, a nice gym. It had all the bells and whistles. It was in a great location. There was no shortage of new joins either. But they couldn't keep them. 
It had nothing to do with this gym in particular, the actual structure of the gym, the features. It was more to do with a company culture. Its system, if you want to call it that, its system of work made loyalty a rarity or an exception. To understand this, you had to look at who the busiest people were in the building. Was it the fitness floor attendant? Not really. Was it the aquatics director? Nope. What about the general manager? You'd expect so, but that wasn't it either. It was the collections office. That office was beside mine, and all day, every single day, this guy was on the phone using all the tactics to hold people accountable to their binding contract. And don't get me wrong, the customer is not always right. I definitely learned that when I was in that in the trenches there. There are clear rules that need to be followed, and it's right there in the contract, and some knowingly will not follow them. But again, contractual agreement can turn a fitness journey into a bit of a nightmare. And at least in this scenario, there was so little sympathy on behalf of the business. And although the barriers to start can be simple, cost, convenience. The barriers to exit can be formidable. But given the fact that this gym had no governing member retention strategy and focused most of its attention on, first, selling new contracts, and secondly, fighting cancellations, you can tell this was not a member-centered endeavor. They just wanted you in and made it hard to leave. That was really the business model. So what was the final result? Well, they couldn't collect enough delinquent members or sell enough new contracts to make up for their inability to create meaningful and motivating experiences for its customers. So ultimately, they went out of business. This is not to say that this will be your experience if you commit to a new contract, but go in with your eyes wide open. Research things. Ask questions. Read the fine print. Know exactly how to cancel if that day arises. Google their reputation even. But more important than that, let your personal fitness history with gyms inform your decisions. Is the gym going to be the keystone thing in your fitness routine? Everything revolves around that. Is there one thing or at least one thing that you love to do at the gym that you even crave? Furthermore, if you think a membership is important, Are you even shopping around? And I don't mean, you know, doing a quick search on your phone or just seeing what the deals are, but are you checking your options out in person? Most gyms and studios will give a free pass or even like a free week for you to go and experience the facility. So take advantage of that stuff. Do your due diligence because you wouldn't just buy the first car you see on the lot, would you? Even if it was a great deal, you wouldn't just walk up and buy that thing. You'd Check out your options. You'd even take things for a test drive. You'd take cars for a test drive. And all of this ultimately leads me to the question of the week, the last one of 2019. How can you feel what you never touch? If you never reach out and experience your options, how do you know it will be, you know, a place where you can feel what you need to feel to stay motivated over the longer haul? If that spark doesn't exist at the start, it's unlikely to be there in the middle Never mind the end. And remember, there are many, many, many ways to build an active lifestyle that require no legal obligation at all. What's the free fitness network in your community like? What clubs or what groups exist? And if the financial investment is really important, 
what relatively inexpensive activities will you enjoy that are actually available to you? And the key thing amongst all of this, this will be no surprise coming from me by now, but the key thing, the key ingredient to all of this is enjoyment. We commit to what we enjoy. We make time for those things. We even protect time for those things. No contract, none, will be able to compensate for a routine with little to no resonance. With that, I wish you guys the best in 2020. Here's to a terrific year ahead, even a wonderful decade ahead. And of course, here's to living happily ever active. This episode of Happily Ever Active has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more content on the mental side of fitness. Oh, and don't forget to rate and review the show. See you next time.